Please pray. Father, like always, we need you now. We need grace. We want to be alert to what you have to say to us. We want to be aware of your will. We want you to teach us. We want you to change us. Father, we are aware of our bad habits that draw us away. But we pray that now you will draw us near. That you will speak into our lives by your word and through your spirit. That we might be more able to honour the vows that we have made to you. Thank you that you are the God who speaks. Thank you that you will speak now. Please enable us to listen. For we pray in Christ's name. Amen. In 2013, Cass and I went to Europe for eight weeks. I'd never been before, so you can imagine the joyous expectation I had, the excitement. In the months that were leading up to the trip, to our departure, I was a researcher. I was the planner. The itinerary preparations occupied a lot of my time, a lot of my thinking. For me, it was a release from the everyday routine of other things. Searching the internet, comparing tours, routes, looking at maps, reviews, looking at timetables, making bookings of accommodation, flights, trains, and even a cruise. It was all very exciting. All very exciting. And I was mindful to leave enough space for spontaneity so that every moment wasn't strictly timetabled and so we weren't always looking at a clock. It was an entirely future-oriented activity, yet, of course, it impacted my present. It was a future joy that created present joy, even in the midst of present tedium and trials. In looking forward... In looking forward, I was able to push forward and the frustrations of every day could be viewed differently. They seem to diminish. And sometimes we do have that luxury, as I did, of having plenty of time and advance notice to prepare. The Israelites were given the Passover evening to prepare for their departure from Egypt one night to ready themselves for their journey, not really knowing what lay ahead, other than the hope for freedom and a promise that was set before them, a promise that would be sealed that night with innocent blood. Their journey, like all journeys, would take place one day at a time. Would hope in the promise sustain them? Will hope sustain us? Would you please turn with me as we continue working our way through 1 Peter to chapter 1, verses 13 to 20, and you will find that, sorry, to 21, and you'll find that on page 1,800.
and 87. 1887, 1 Peter chapter 1, begin, beginning at verse 13. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who calls you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it, is, it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, so that your faith and hope are in God. Last week we saw that we have received grace and peace in abundance. We have been given new birth into a living hope. We've been given a glorious inheritance that is imperishable and cannot be diminished in any way. This all flows from God's mercy shown to us in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. His new life guarantees our new life, our future. The future is magnificent and assured. We have a promise of freedom from all trials sealed with innocent blood. So... Therefore, Peter says in verse 13, in the light of all of this, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. We are recipients of abundant grace, so Peter urges us to look forward to even greater grace when Jesus returns. Verses 3 to 12 map out the future, our future destination for believers. But we're not called just to admire this map. We're not called just to be amazed by the itinerary that God has or the destination that God has for us. We're not to just live out life as we have always done. This is a journey which requires moving forward. It's a planned journey to a glorious destination. So Peter encourages us to prepare our minds for action, to be ready, to be fully sober, to be alert. We're not just to idle and mark time, rather we're to shift gear, shift our minds into gear so that we can move forward. Keep on moving forward. Again, this reminds us of one of the themes in Jesus' teaching that Peter, 
heard on several occasions and we heard on several occasions as we looked at that series on Matthew 21 to 27. Do you remember these words? Be ready, be wise, God knows those who are his. Be ready, be wise, God knows those who are his. Ready yourself for what is to come. Let your future impact your now. Let sure and certain hope, let grace shape your life now as you daily move forward in God's presence. There wasn't a single day in the Israelites' 40 years' travel that God wasn't leading them, watching over them, providing for them in the tedium, in the trials, in the temptations and in the joys of every day. Each day they were given sufficient manner. In other words, they were given sufficient grace to fill them each day. And the future grace in the promised land was to drive them forward, was to move them on. So they and we are to be alert, to be on the lookout for daily grace as well as the grace that is promised for us in the future. Last week we looked at our attitudes towards the past and the future. I suggested that we could look back at the past with either regret or gratitude. And this is a daily choice we make. So today, how do you envisage your past? Do you look back with gratitude? Similarly, I suggested when we look forward, we can anticipate the future with fear or with hope. And it's something that we're called to do daily. So today, are you looking forward to your future with hope? Peter says, set your hope on that grace, that future grace. Make wise choices today. Live today in that living hope that is yours. Live today with living hope. Live today looking forward to the greater grace that is to come. Let living hope shape your life rather than current trials. God will provide sufficient grace for each day. So be looking for that. God will provide sufficient grace in each trial. Be on the lookout for that as well. Look forward rather than looking backwards. In verse 14 we read, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. We are to live out our calling. Right back at the beginning in in verse 2, Peter tells us that we have been chosen to be obedient to Jesus. We have been called, we have been chosen, we've been sanctified by the Spirit to be like Jesus, to do what Jesus asks, to live his way. 
Our journey has started in Christ, so we keep moving away from the past, away from the past and closer and closer to our goal. Again, last week we saw that God is in the process of redeeming all things. In other words, God's chief agenda item is change. God is changing the world. He is bringing about a new heaven and a new earth. He is changing his people. Not with superficial cosmetic changes, but he's seeking complete transformational change from the inside out. For Peter's first readers and for us, there has already been change, albeit incomplete. They have received mercy, as we have. They had been guaranteed a glorious inheritance, as we have. They and we are receiving the salvation of their souls. And all of this is God's grace. But this needs to be accompanied by appropriate living now. They have undergone a dramatic change in their life. We can't see it from these verses, but if you've got your Bible open and you turn over a couple of pages and you have a look at chapter 4, verse 3, you can see what their life was like. Peter says to them, You have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. The change that they have made needs to be maintained. They are not to stop moving forward, become lazy and complacent. They're not to be lured back by the lingering evil desires to their old ways. That would be settling for a return to ignorance. Look forward, be ready, be wise. Of course, none of us have completely severed our ties to our old evil desires. The sanctifying process, making us saints, making us holy ones, continues today and each day. So I wonder if you are aware of those trigger points, those points in your life that lure you back to those bad habits. What old habits are you drawn back into? What things do you justify? What things that make you think what is not okay is okay? The list that Peter gives his first readers is not exhaustive but there's some things there that we need to think about is lust a trigger for you can you excuse it easily 
Well, it wasn't lust. I was just admiring God's creative genius. Maybe it's anger. Now, that might be that road rage anger or that anger that seethes inside of you. Perhaps your vice is a subtler but no less dangerous, like mine. Complacency. Self-promotion. Sham humility. There is a range of self-justified disobedience in my life that I'm aware of, that does lure me back to the old ways. There are lots of derivations of the detestable idolatry, which is pride. Peter urges us to look forward rather than to look back. And when we do, we will find God's grace in the now. Look forward, move forward. We are on a journey together. Peter then suggests that we are to look to God and move forward. He continues urging us to look to God and to keep moving forward. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written... Be holy because I am holy. What comes to mind when you hear the word holy? What comes to mind? Something like just being set apart for a purpose? Something like the glorious shining of God's glory and purity? If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're trusting in his death and resurrection, then the Bible says that you are holy. You have been sanctified. You have been set apart. You are a saint. You are a holy one, made pure and acceptable in God's sight. And all of this is grace. In short, God sees you as he sees his son. As remarkable as that is, he looks at this and sees his pure son. Simultaneously, the Bible seems to be saying that if you are a follower of Jesus, you are being made holy. You are being sanctified. You are becoming a saint, a holy one. You are being made pure. You are being remade into the image of Christ. There's this completed and incomplete A paradox 
which at times I find really difficult to hold together. But of course, not so with God. Not so with God. For God has no beginning and no end. So existence for God is always now. And so the complete and the incomplete are held by him. What is the thing that Peter's trying to suggest to us here? I think he's saying that God's character, in simple terms, is to shape our character and our conduct. God, of course, is love. And so as his children, we need to allow our Father to teach us to love, to be like him in that way. But not just members of the family and not just neighbours, but our enemies as well. And not just to sort of love them, but to, to love them well. To love them well. And of course we can't do this in our own strength. But as we are confronted day after day with that struggle to like, let alone love, if we look to God, we can find grace and growth. God forgives and calls us to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. Is that a challenge to you like it is to me? I need to look to God when I'm finding it difficult to forgive, look to him for grace and growth. God is infinitely patient. Maybe you struggle there. In that struggle, don't revert to old practices, but look to God for grace and growth. And of course the list goes on and on, and it's all challenging, So we need to continually be encouraging each other to be looking to God in the now, each day, for grace and growth. Despite the work that still needs to be done in our lives, we're also seen by God as his co-workers. So we need to mirror grace, God's grace. We're not just called to be recipients of grace, but also instruments of grace. So in our daily lives, every interaction is an opportunity to display grace and to receive grace. An opportunity to grow in grace. When it comes to holiness... A lot of people have, I guess, a pretty standard stereotype. They see people that they regard as holy or people who claim to be holy as striving for an impossible moral perfection. 
they see those people as setting themselves apart, but not just apart, above everyone else. They see these people as being not just goody-two-shoes, but um, having this list of things that they avoid so that they can remain pure and clean, even if it's in their own eyes. Jesus, our clearest example of a holy man, challenges us to rethink this stereotype of holiness. You'll remember the story of Jesus touching the leper and him being healed. You remember the story when Jesus is in the crowd and the woman comes up behind him and touches him and power goes out of him. You remember the time when the dead son of the widow of Nain is going out of the city and Jesus comes near that dead body, very near that dead body, and raises him to life. In Old Testament thinking, all of those things should have made Jesus unclean and defiled. But what happens is, his holiness and his purity transfers to them, healing and restoring their bodies. It's as if The closer you are to Jesus, the purer you become. And again, it's all his doing. Abundant grace. We're called here to be holy. It's a calling to move forward, nearer to our holy God, without fear. We move nearer so he can purify us. It's also a calling uh, not to be isolationists, but rather to be a welcomer of sinner and saints. Like Jesus, we are to welcome and embrace outsiders and those that we might have thought as defiled. Because, as we saw earlier, we need to be ready and we need to be wise as we encourage them and embrace them. We need to take great care not to be lured back to our old ways. Rather, we should be encouraging them and encouraging each other to look to God for growth and change. Move forward, sorry, look forward, move forward. Look to God, move forward, move forward. Look back and move forward. Verse 17, we see that God's character is to shape our conduct again. Since you call on a a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time 
as foreigners here in reverent fear. We are to live out our journey in reverent fear. So reverent fear is to shape the way we live. She sits in a swing, kicking her feet with a big smile on her face. She doesn't know what mum has given her, but it's cold and sweet and she wants as much of it in her mouth as she can get as soon as she can get it. She's enraptured, she's enthralled with this taste. She's in awe. For the first time, she is savouring this. And her little brain can't imagine that anything in this world could be as delightful and fulfilling as this. She is ready to live her life in the pursuit of that cold, sweet wonder that big people call ice cream. She doesn't realise it, but awe is driving her. God has created an awesome world, intentionally loaded with amazing things to astound us. God intends us to be amazed on a daily basis. In addition, God has created in us this capacity for all, this capacity to wonder and to be amazed and gobsmacked and drawn to. Where we look for awe shapes the direction of our lives. Our awe and wonder, however, often miss the mark. Every created awe is meant to point us to the Creator. So those grand picturesque vistas are signposts to the Creator and point us to Him. Yet, We are easily satisfied with lesser things, perishable things. Peter wants our reverent fear, our awe and wonder to be rekindled, redirected and heightened. So he points us to God's most awesome work. He points us back not to the formal way of living, not to our emptiness, but rather he points us back to look at the cross. Our holiness is ground in redemption. Our redemption comes through the precious blood of Christ. As it says there, a lamb without blemish or defect. The only perfect holy sacrifice. Peter says, look back. If you're going to look back, that's what you look back to. You look back to the cross because this was for you. This sacrifice, this unholy death of the only holy man, for you. This shedding of innocent blood for your guilt, for your shame. The righteous dying for the unrighteous. 
look back and see that the ransom has been paid to secure not only your freedom from sin and death, but also to ensure an unbelievable, imperishable inheritance. Look back to the cross, not with sadness and regret, but with awe and wonder. Look back and be staggered. Look back and marvel. Look back and see grace upon grace upon grace. Look back so that you can move forward in reverent fear to the greater grace that is to be revealed. Your hope is not in lesser things. Your awe is not in lesser things. Your faith and hope are in God, Peter says. God is the source of grace, love, mercy, peace, holiness and hope. Why would we not be looking for that each day? Why would we not be looking to him for that each day? Why would we not be moving forward to him each day? To be purified again each day. Please encourage me. And please encourage each other to look forward to that grand future hope that we have and move forward. Please encourage me to look to God in the now, in my trials, in my joys. Help me to be on the lookout for grace now. And please encourage me to look back again. Look back again. And just marvel in his goodness. So that my awe can be rekindled. So that I can move forward another day. Another day and know his grace. Please encourage each other to be on the lookout for grace each and every day. Let's pray. Forgive us, Father, for the many times when we are satisfied with lesser things. Forgive us as you have promised on those occasions when we're lured back to our ignorant ways. Giver of wisdom, please help our minds to be alert to what you are doing in your world and in our lives and continually draw us forward to you, with you, seeking you please by your grace continue to set us apart 
as your holy ones so that we might bring honour and praise and glory to you on that day when the Lord Jesus is revealed. Praise you and you alone, our God. Amen.